0: The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education.
1: We don't need no thought control.
2: Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president Abraham Lincoln succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And how apropos that statement is in light of what we're going to be talking about tonight.
1: It should be a really fun conversation.
2: Yes, it will be. And Abigail, I'm always so I always so enjoy our conversations and love having this show with you and having you as my co-host, so thanks for being
1: here Well, I'll tell you what, it just shouldn't be fair to have this much fun at work. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) So we are welcoming another guest to our show today, um, Rebecca Friedrichs. Rebecca is the founder of 4Kids and Country. She is a 28-year public school teacher who was forced to fund state and national teachers unions. And- She actually brought a lawsuit. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of you might be aware of this. It was just under 10 years ago, Friedrichs versus California Teachers Association. This lawsuit, the goal of which was to free teachers unions from being forced to join the union. And it actually went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court Mm -hmm. and blazed the trail for ending forced unionism for teachers and all government employees. Rebecca has continued the fight for the good of education and has authored Standing Up to Goliath. She's also a Prager University host and founded Kids for Country. Rebecca, welcome all the way from sunny California. Yeah. I'm so happy to
3: be here and yes it is sunny today.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's always sunny. There's that's about the
2: only good thing I can say about California these days yeah. is the sunshine and the beautiful uh geography. I I could say that I I can leave Governor Newsom behind however I'm not mm-hmm. sure that we have anything much oh, better I here. I don't know.
1: I don't know but the, but and the restaurants. <laughs> and the, the rest all I the mean, restaurants. Right. Right. The, the food right. that and you I all have.
2: Try. Yes. And I can tell you the
3: majority of we, the people here in California, are good, good people, lots of conservatives fighting in the front lines who really love their children. We've just been captured. And the teachers unions we're going to talk about are a big part of that capture because they're behind a lot of the fraud and different things that are going on in this state.
2: Well, let's talk about that. You know, I've had you on the show before. It was probably five years ago at least. And it was maybe even, yeah, well, it was right after. The court case, actually, um, and you know, you talked about how you were sweet, innocent teacher. You know, loves her kids, get involved with the local union, and realizing that you know, hey, I shouldn't have to pay dues, and so then you tried to get involved by, or first you tried to get involved yourself, and and then you found yourself being bullied at the state level once you became a state rep in the union. Isn't that correct?
3: Yes. So I was bullied from day one by the unions because I never wanted to to pay them. I was forced to pay them as a condition of employment. But I had seen a teacher um, literally abusing children right in front of my face every single day when I was a student teacher. And when I asked my master teacher, what's going on here? This is child abuse. She said, oh, Today's the day you learn about teachers' unions. And she told me the union was defending this woman and the kids were out of luck. And I witnessed as that woman continued teaching as long as she wanted to until she chose to retire. So I was always against funding unions, not only for that reason, but because I knew that they were funding a very far-left radical agenda. And I didn't want to fund it. But as a condition of employment, I had to. Mm -hmm. So I ended up serving as a union rep because I knew – that my other teacher friends didn't agree with the radical agenda of the unions. They they were very uncomfortable with it. They didn't know what to do. So I served as a union rep. And as a union rep, yes, I was bullied harshly, especially at state-level uh, leadership meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that did for me, three years as a union rep, it prepared me for serving as the lead plaintiff in that lawsuit because yeah. the unions could lie all they want, but I'd seen it. I'd seen it for myself, not only as a teacher, but as a union rep. I knew exactly who they were. I knew their anti-God, anti-child, anti-family, anti-America agenda. And so it was harder for them to, I mean, they were unable to
2: undermine my mm-hmm, testimony. Mm-hmm, so um, mm-hmm. so that, that time of service was used for good. So, so important to know that. Well, one of the things that we want to get into here is, you know, how did the unions even get to be this way? Um, you mentioned before we went on air, that even back in the late 1800s, when the National Education Association was founded, um, that from the beginning, they were founded with an agenda, a leftist progressive agenda. Can you tell us and tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Sure thing. So the first thing they need to know is there's a difference
3: between your regular union, like a Construction worker union or something, and a government union. So what we're mm-hmm. talking about today with the so-called teachers unions, I, I, they use the word teacher to so that you'll trust them. Do not trust them. They do not represent teachers. I call them the education mafia. So, um, but, but the so-called teacher unions, they're a government union. So they're. You know, and, and there's a lot of government unions, and most of them are highly corrupt. It's so like the CDC is run by a corrupt union. That's why we have so many problems with the CDC. So what did these so-called teacher unions do? Well, in 1857, the NEA was founded. It had a different name at that time, but it changed to the NEA. And they were very clear that they were socialists. And hmm. that they didn't like America. They didn't like a constitutional free republic. Hmm. They they have this idea that socialism is better, and that somehow socialism hasn't done been done correctly in, throughout <laughs> it history. It just it's hasn't really been tried. Been yeah. tried. <laughs> yeah, right. So they're so convinced that they can do it right, and so um, the. The NEA has always been in bed with some super, they call themselves progressives. I would call them regressives because they really are going back in, mm-hmm. in, you know, to tyranny. Um, but these folks uh, work together, um, and they, they wanted desperately to, Change America to as a Barack Obama would say, fundamentally change mm-hmm. America, and they worked to do that, and they 've been very successful, so some of the things that they did i 'll just give you a few highlights, so uh-huh. one of their goals was to to change the, the educational system that our founders dreamed up. So our American founders knew that 100% the federal government should never be involved in education. This was a state-level thing, but even the states shouldn't be controlling education. It should be the local neighborhood, those parents, those teachers they choose, should be controlling the classroom. And that's what was going on in the early days of the United States when we had the classical liberal arts education and when our, you know, the Ten Commandments was on the wall of every classroom, and we started with prayer, and we were reading the scriptures, not teaching uh, religion, but teaching our children virtue, because mm-hmm. the only way our founders told us to, have a, to keep a free republic is with a well-educated and moral citizenry mm-hmm. that can self-govern. Mm-hmm. So high education results and morality were key. Mm -hmm. So that's what we were doing in America. These unions came in. They wanted to undermine that. They wanted to bring in the Prussian system. And basically what the Prussian system is, is it's the exact opposite of what I just described that our founders used. So our founders wanted our children, you know, they used the Socratic method so that our students could be high-level thinkers, debate. Mm -hmm. Um, They studied astronomy. They studied the scriptures. They read the classics. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the mathematics was you know, not this dumbed down new math, Common Core math, Mm -hmm. but it was this It was excellence. Mm -hmm. So so basically the opposite of that is the Prussian system. So the Prussian system is a way to control the students, to make them more top-down, to make the children a bunch of, I don't want to say robots, but a bunch of young people who just do what they're told, Hmm. who are spoon-fed information, who are not taught how to think, who are not taught how to learn and how to dig in and how to become more intelligent and knowledgeable and to love beauty and, uh, you know, and to spread that, but are just, told what to think Hmm. and, and what is truth. Okay, that's a huge difference there. So the unions did this with their allies to completely undermine the American educational system so that they could undermine their American Free Republic. So one of the big, th- two of the big things they did, one has to do with phonics, the other has to do with a, a college they started. So I'm going to start with a college. Mm-hmm. In 1933, they started the Frankfurt School. They started that at Columbia University in New York. What did they do? Well, they decided that these were communists who started this, socialist slash communists, same thing, Marxists, all means the same thing. They came in and they started this school. What was their goal? Their goal was to train administrators, superintendents, principals, and those kind of folks in this Prussian model, in this Hmm. socialist ideal, Hmm. so that they could change the American school system. Their other goal was to get into the teacher colleges. So at this point, most of our teacher colleges across the country, besides schools like Hillsdale College that are not taking federal funding, Mm -hmm. but these schools that are taking federal funding, the teacher colleges are now basically controlled by this agenda, this um, this socialist model of teaching. And this is why, even though you have wonderful teachers who may have been brought up in a in a good educational system, maybe a private school, a home school, they get into these, uh, these teacher colleges and they get brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're mm-hmm. teaching the kids to be social justice warriors, our future brown shirts. Mm-hmm. And yes. this is all by design. Mm-hmm. So they did that through the Frankfurt School. The other thing they did that I think is the biggest key to all of this that a lot of people don't know about is the unions with their allies purposely removed phonics instruction from American schools. Mm -hmm. Now, it lasted in a few schools. A few schools were awake enough to keep the phonics. But what they did was they they purposely took out phonics and they brought in the look say method, or people might recognize it as Dick and Jane. Mm -hmm. Well, Dick and Jane or the look say method is basically, it's not teaching children to read, it's having them memorize some words. Mm-hmm. So a, a child will leave their educational uh, career if they've been in a look say method, a sight reading method, they might have memorized a couple thousand words, but they're basically functionally illiterate. Right. They don't yes. know how to read. They don't know how to attack a new, brand new word and, and read it. Now, if you use a 100% phonics method, which I'm sure you're using at your yes. amazing school. Oh, yes. you use a phonics method, yeah, and you don't mix in all these sight words and all this confusion, just straight phonics. What happens to these kids? In, in, I mean, I taught kindergarten. I used phonics. My students could read in two or three months. They were really <laughs> great. By yes. the end of the school year, these kids could pick up a Wall Street Journal, and they could, they could decode the words. They might not understand them all, right. but they could decode them. That's yeah. reading. Yeah. So phonics is so key. Why, this is where when people question me about, oh, come on, the teachers' unions can't be that bad. Wait a minute. First of all, they're not teachers. Let's call them the education mafia. Let's call them what they are. Why would you purposely undermine a great system like phonics, which has 3,500 years of historical proof that that's what you use when you have an alphabetic language like English, to teach reading. Why would you undermine that and bring in a system that has caused millions of people to be functional illiterate? We didn't have functional illiteracy when we were using phonics in America schools. Now we do. The other thing was, people never heard of dyslexia in the old days. It was yes. very rare. Maybe a couple doctors heard of it. But as soon as they removed our phonics and brought in this nonsense, you know, uh, educational quackery called look-say method... What happened? All these kids have dyslexia. All these adults have dyslexia. This is on purpose. These are evil people who purposely undermine the ability of millions of American children and adults to be able to read and function in society and make a good living, that, in my opinion, is evil. America used to be this entrepreneurial country where even our farmers were great readers and writers, and not to mention their cursive was lovely, but Mm -hmm. they could you know, write a sonnet or write an essay or a letter to the editor or whatever, and it would be beautifully done. Why? Because they were so well-educated in America's Mm -hmm. schools. Mm -hmm. So this has all been purposely undermined. Why? Because these people are socialists slash communists slash Marxists, they don't like America, they don't want us to be a constitutional free republic, and they have made a lot of, uh, they've had a ton of success Mm -hmm. undermining us. So the faster we can all wake up that these unions aren't who they claim to be, the faster we can stop the demise of the, the most incredible country that's ever been
2: on Earth. Well,
1: and another supporting point of evidence for your theory, Rebecca, is um, we recently sat down with Emily Hanford. I don't know if you're aware of her fantastic um, in-depth reporting on uh, phonics versus what she could term balanced literacy. It's called Sold a Story, and we did a, a pretty in-depth breakdown a while ago on our show in that, but what was really interesting to me was um, she went through what phonics is, and she's a proponent of phonics. Um, and but she went through where balanced literacy, that reading methodology, came from. And but what was very fascinating was how, as we learned more, so it, it came over in, from the New Zealand in the seventies, and then began to work its way through the American education system. And at first, we didn't have the technology to. Um, look inside the human brain and see how it is working. But we have since developed that, and there have been studies done on a child's brain when a child is reading using that method versus phonics. And hands down, you can see how much more effective and efficient the brains are working when they are using phonics instruction. And yet, there has not been a big push to go back to, quote unquote, the science. (laughs) The science so well supports i mean obviously we have historical evidence as well to support phonics but now we can actually even see it in the human brain and yet no change mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: Wow, that that is really powerful information, and I plan to check out that book, yeah. the Story. I have not read that. Uh, Samuel Blumenfeld wrote um, a book, uh, N.E.A. Trojan Horse in American Education, and then his friend, um, Oh Flesh, Rudolph Flesh, wrote a book, Why Johnny Can't Read and What You Can Do About It. Both of mm. those books were written, I think, in the 1950s. Excellent books; they're still in print. I recommend them highly. And and both of them show that you know they didn't have the brain evidence in those days, but the teacher in those days were screaming stop this stop this this isn't working this looks say you know whole language whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. they were all they were just you know, pleading with them, please stop removing uh, the phonics from our schools, but this just proves that teachers don't have a voice. Um, These unions that claim to represent us were behind this entire nightmare. They still are. The reason why you asked, why is it that, you know, all these people come out with this evidence, but we don't restore the phonics? It's because the unions don't want to restore the phonics. Now, they might give us some, um, you know, try to make us happy by saying, oh, yeah, we'll bring in some phonics, but they always mix it with a bunch of site programs, which is very confusing to the Brain and causes a lot of problems for the children. So no matter how you slice it, it always comes back to these unions who claim to know what they're do. Who, you know, claim to represent teachers. You know, they're <laughs> they're not. You know, they may have taught in the past some of the leaders, but this is a this is a, a union. They're, they should let teachers, real teachers, and parents, and expert, true experts, make the decisions on how to teach the children. But instead, these unions come in and they tell everybody what to do. And removing phonics mm-hmm. is one of their big pushes and bringing in Common Core. Mm-hmm. So they clearly want us to fail. And um, so that's why, in my opinion, it's time that we make these unions illegal again, like they used to be, and get them out of our schools before it's too late for America. Mm-hmm.
2: So, Rebecca, you know, when you say the unions force the phonics on, or sorry, force the whole language or look, say, methods, and now I think it's called balanced literacy. I think there's been a number of different terms for it. But it's basically the same thing. It's sight, it's mm-hmm. learning to read by sight versus and, um, you know, how I, I, I know maybe I'm getting too much of the nitty gritty, but I kind of want to know, how does a, a union have influence over the curriculum in a school? I mean, there's a superintendent, yeah. there's a school board, there's principals of every school in that district. Um, there's all the teachers. Obviously, you're telling us they don't listen to the teachers. And so, OK, I can see that. But. How is it that the unions can have that much influence over superintendents, principals, school boards, and what have you?
3: Okay, well, this is sort of a long answer, and I'm going to try to answer it from a federal level on down. So, um, And there's a lot of pieces to this. Like we could talk for a week and not cover okay. everything, but mm-hmm. I'll try to do the highlights. So, so it's really important to look at how the unions have gained control. Number one. They, um, they've they used all three branches of our government to get favors for the unions and more power for the unions. So they have unbelievable amount of power. But one of the things that would be easiest for the audience to understand is the NEA, the National Education Association, the first president they supported for a you know, campaign was mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. They were able to get Jimmy Carter into office. And what was his thank you gift to the NEA? the Department of Education. It was the National National Department of Education. You know, he, he gave them the National Department of Education, including a cabinet level position. Okay, I said earlier that our founders made it very clear that the federal government was never supposed to be involved in education. Well, thanks to the union's The federal government is now controlling education in America. That's unconstitutional. The Constitution does not give them the right to do that. So we can blame the unions and Jimmy Carter for that Mm -hmm. or the Democrat Party. Mm -hmm. So what happened since then is the unions have been able to control by they they control the legislature. They control the legislature in my state, California, your state, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. If you're in a a blue state, the unions are controlling your state. Um, And they control right now. They control the White House they control, you know, that whole, I call it a regime, they control the Senate, and, you know, anywhere where they have a, a majority Democrat, the unions are in control. So they're controlling, I mean, we're talking federal, state, local, county, school board level in a lot of areas. So um, one of the things, they, if they can, so at the federal level, they, because they control the legislators, they get these. Uh, Bills passed where, oh, you know, if you take Common Core and you're going to get all this federal funding that goes along with the Common Core. And that's a long story, but schools were desperate. Mm -hmm. They were losing their federal funding because they couldn't reach the No Child Left Behind standards. So they were told, oh, if you take Common Core, we'll rescue you. You don't have to meet the standards. And it came with this huge federal carrot Mm -hmm. of money. Mm -hmm. So this is how the unions control. It's through federal funding, through state funding. And then we'll just take my state, which is very similar to yours, California. Um, The unions control the State Board of Education here. Everybody on that state board is mm-hmm. was put there by the unions. Mm-hmm. They control our legislature. They control. They just. They're, it's so corrupt. There, they have so much control here, and we the people aren't voting for this. We the people want our kids educated well, uh, but there's a lot of uh, corruption going on. So what happens is the unions end up having control at the national level, the state level, and there's huge piles of money that are attached to that. So the local school districts, shame on them these programs because they want the money. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, why
3: are the local school districts so interested in all this money? Well, usually it's because they're unionized, and the union is sucking up so many of their resources through teacher pensions and teacher pay and all kinds of... Actually, most of it doesn't even go to teachers. There's just so much corruption that the the school districts think, oh, we're desperate for more money, even though they should have plenty if the union wasn't there corrupting it all. Mm -hmm. So then they take the federal and state funding and then all of a sudden, for example, your local school district's told, oh, you have to teach this sex ed in California. It's called Mm -hmm. the California Healthy Youth Act. There's nothing healthy about it. It's all sexualized pornographic material. And you have these local school boards that say, my hands are tied. Our hands are tied. We have to do what the state tells us to do Mm -hmm. because this Mm -hmm. bill was passed. So that's basically how it works. Once in a while, you'll get some brave people who get a majority on the school board. They're able to Overcome the union money and the union glossy flyers and all that. And you'll get a, a, a conservative board that stands up and says, no, we're not mm-hmm. doing this. It's always a big fight. They're always sued, but it is possible. People mm-hmm. can stand together uh, against this agenda. That's the beauty of charter schools. If you keep the unions aren't typically in a charter school. And so a lot of times they can do better things for their children because the unions aren't there. But it all comes down to the unions are the root of every evil problem in our schools, and I would argue even in our nation, like open borders and uh, abolishing ICE and defunding police, the unions are behind all of that. So uh, we the people aren't being heard. Our children are not being served. Good teachers are being bullied and isolated and chased out of their jobs while these unions that I call an education mafia have completely taken over and corrupted everything. And that's why our kids can't read. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know things that you know our kids are social justice warriors instead of uh, good patriotic Americans and so that's just some of the highlights of it but that's basically Mm. how they do it
2: yeah it helps to hear some of that history of Mm -hmm. you know this formation of the NEA and the Prussian model and I know Columbia back then was the premier teachers training college it probably still is considered that and so they went with that Frankfurt model to go into Columbia. I mean, that was a very strategic move, I'm sure on their part. So I can see where just mm-hmm. getting enough people in the right places also helps their cause. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they're willing to work alongside um, these people who feel that way. You know, I, this, it's amazing how fast our time goes, but we, we only have about three minutes left. And I know you have talked a lot about how to adopt a teacher And maybe we could spend our last couple of minutes letting you share more about that. I'm so thankful
3: that you've asked me about Adopt-A-Teacher. So if your listeners go to our website, 4kidsandcountry.org, and I'll repeat that later, um, they'll just click on Adopt-A-Teacher. It takes three minutes to learn how to adopt a teacher. It's very easy. So basically, about 85% of America's teachers are still funding unions. Unions that are destroying their profession, making their classroom a war zone, sexualizing their children, all of these horrible things that are going on in our schools, the unions are behind it. Teachers are terrified. They don't understand what's going on, but most of them are still paying the unions to destroy them and their kids. The reason they're paying them is because they are unaware that that we brought a lawsuit and that there's been a win and that they don't have to pay them anymore because for over 40 years, teachers were forced to pay them as a condition of employment. So part of it is they don't know. Part of it is they're too afraid. They do know they're too afraid to leave the union because the union's told them all these lies, like you need our liability insurance, you're going to get sued and all this stuff. So what we've done is we've developed Adopt-A-Teacher where you, the listener, some teacher you know, someone that already trusts you. We don't tell you who to adopt. We don't assign you to a total stranger. You go up to someone you already know in your community, your church, your wherever you know this teacher, and you put your arms around them. Our little flyer teaches you how to embrace them and educate them. We have some tools like a book I wrote, a movie we launched, uh, things on our website where you can help educate them on what the unions are really doing. These teachers are going to have questions you cannot answer. So once you have their attention, you take them back to our website for kidsandcountry.org and all they do is click on Union Exit. And Union Exit is a three-step process. Step one There's a toolkit for teachers that answers all of their frequently asked questions. They're going to ask you and you won't know the answers, but we know the answers. Basically, we're letting them know that the union has been lying to them, that they can get better liability insurance for a lot less and it's better coverage, that these other uh, organizations will actually defend them if they're falsely accused. The unions won't defend them if they're falsely accused. So there's just all these details that we answer for teachers in step one, the toolkit. Step two, we literally walk them through opting out of the union. No matter where they live, no matter what state, they just click on their state, click on their union, we opt them out. And step three, we direct them to those alternative liability insurance providers so that they can get what they need and feel supported. Hmm. So it's for kidsandcountry.org, either adopt a teacher if you want to learn how to do it or union exit if you want to help somebody to answer their questions Hmm. and to get them out of the unions. And it's our belief that teachers can save America if we can awaken teachers And helps them to see the truth about how evil their union is, because a lot of these government unions have the same evil agenda, but people care about kids, and they see what's going on in our schools. So if we could just awaken teachers, and teachers, especially teachers of faith, please, please, I know you're scared, but God's not the author of fear. God is the author of courage. Find courage in Him. Step up. Leave these unions because you are complicit in all the evil they're doing if you're funding them. So it's our goal to help you stop funding them.
2: Yeah, Yeah, Rebecca, we are grateful to have you on and giving us a history lesson on the background of education and in the unions and phonics and what have you. And um, we wish you the best. Thank you for your encouragement. Be
1: courageous, Rebecca.
2: Yes. Have a good night, everyone. See you next time.